This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We've been doing a lot of talking the last several weeks about uh, how to learn to live like Jesus. We've um, been looking at the words of Jesus from Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. We've been focusing on this life that He calls us to live, and could it be that uh, there's some glitches in the way that we listen to Jesus, in the way that we apply His words, in the way that we're living into the kingdom? So today, I I want us to uh, finish out this series by talking about uh, what is it that Jesus really is essentially calling us to keep in mind and to live and to practice? In the book, The Good and Beautiful Life, that many of us have been reading and talking about in our G12 groups, our groups of 12, James Bryan Smith says that there are two basic false narratives that have been shaping Western Christianity for centuries. One of those narratives has to do, if we could have them on the screen, what matters is having a faith in Jesus without having an ongoing relationship with Him. And the second one, the only way to be a good Christian is to keep the rules. Let's keep those up there just for a moment, and let's talk about this. I don't know about you, but how were you introduced to the Christian faith? What were you told that you you needed to do to be a Christian? may have been believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Maybe uh, believe that He died for your sins and was raised again, you'll be saved. It may be centered simply on faith and believing these certain things or following these certain practices and these certain rules. But Jesus is telling us something else in today's Scripture. Jesus is telling us that we've got some glitzes in the way in which we may be practicing our faith or we've been programmed to think or to believe. For what Jesus is calling us to is a relationship, a real genuine relationship with Him, and that we really truly pay attention to His words and we put them into practice. So in these last words that Jesus shares in the Sermon on the Mount, the last words we look at in Scripture in this series of messages, I hope we really pay attention to what Jesus is saying to us. Let's look first of all at at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23 where Jesus says these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many good deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. I don't know about you, but this kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. This helps me to kind of pause a moment and think, oh my goodness. Maybe there's more to life and there's more to this Christianity thing than believing the right stuff. Maybe more than being saved in a moment, and kind of like you come up and you believe the right stuff and you get your ticket to heaven... Maybe what Jesus is telling us that this life that I call you to live is not about a transaction. 
It's not about a deal. It's not about like you say, Lord, Lord, or God, God, or all the right words, and you're in. Maybe it's about transformation. Jesus is saying to us, you know, there's a lot of projects out there. Maybe you're doing projects I never asked you to do. You know, one of the saddest words of all of Scripture are these words, and Jesus repeats them different times in the Gospels. I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you. What's Jesus saying to us? He's calling us into a relationship. He's saying that salvation, eternal life, being a follower of mine, isn't just about believing the right things. It's about knowing me and letting me shape your thoughts and your mind and your character. It's being enmeshed in me. I hope you are, are a person that, that lives your life devotionally and you follow the Pray, Study, Grow. And we, we had some glitches this week and we heard from you, so we know that many of you are getting these online. But each week we also publish these devotions. And I got to tell you that I think this Thursday's, whoever wrote this, and it's our own lay people that writes this, uh, they, they knocked it out of the park when they said that, you know, it's kind of like walking toward the headlights of a car. You ever watch someone walk toward the headlight? As they get closer to the headlight of the car, their whole body frame is kind of enmeshed in the light. It kind of loses itself in the light. And so when you and I are living closer to Jesus, if, if we are living more closely in union with God, guess what? It's harder to tell where we end and where God starts. That our life becomes more and more enmeshed in the light of God. I think it's a great image. It's not about, okay, i got to believe these certain things or i got to do these certain things. No. It's about living this life and going into this relationship with Jesus. Imagining Jesus. Imagining Jesus, praying with Jesus, talking with Jesus on an ongoing basis. And so if you were to look at all these different things that we've been talking about these last 10 weeks, and I hope that you've been reading the scriptures, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I, I hope you've been chewing on those scriptures and allowing those thoughts of Jesus to change your, your mind and your perspective on things. If we could just do a quick list of, of what those things are, it's kind of like Jesus is saying many, many times, he's saying, do this, not this. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before other people. Don't, don't engage in fits of anger. Be salt on the earth. Be a preservative. Have, be a person of taste. Don't engage in lustful thoughts. Jesus has been saying to us in these scriptures, seek me in prayer. Find that quiet place. Engage with me. Stop looking for the praise of people. He's saying be truthful. Let your word be your word. Don't engage in lying. Don't, don't engage in falsehood. He's saying bless other people. Be someone that really truly wants to be a positive, not a diminisher in someone's life. Trust me. What did he teach us in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 6? He taught us how to pray, right? 
And he said, our Father. He's telling us over and over again, you've got a Father. You've got a Heavenly Father. Don't worry. Turn your worries into prayer. He's saying, be a person of mercy and compassion. It's going to come right back to you. Don't judge others. Serve God. Don't serve money. The point is this. This is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is not like Jesus is saying, do these things, check these things off your list, and you're good. He's not even saying, you got to do these things before I accept you. He's not saying that at all. But he's giving us descriptions. Jesus is really painting a picture of what it means to be living in the kingdom of God. He's telling us if we are someone that knows him, these are the kind of things that we're going to be engaging in. And these are the kind of things that we're not going to be engaging in. He's continuously giving real-life, relevant, real-life stuff, descriptions of the way that we live our life. Sophie Lee is a writer, and she tells about the story of being on the L train in Chicago. They call the, the train, uh, one of the main train systems in Chicago, the L. And she says, when you ride the L in Chicago in the morning, it's like everyone's got their iPhone on, they got the earphones on, people are dressed up, they're ready to go to work, and they're just kind of in their own little world, and they're polite and courteous, and everyone kind of knows their place, and they stand in line, and there's no sense of interaction at all. But she says it's very different at midnight on a weekend or after a Cubs game. You can understand how Cub fans would probably engage in this kind of activity. Oh, there I go, judging. Um, but she says at midnight on the L train, people are loud and obnoxious, and they're gossiping, and they're yelling, and they're cursing, and they've had too much to drink, and there's people that are there always begging for food. It's just an awful, awful scene most of the time. She says, I was aghast at what was going on. Sometimes I was just livid, and sometimes I was just amused at what I saw on the L train at midnight on a weekend. But then she said, one night, there was this couple. They were nicely dressed, and they came, and they sat right by me. And in just a moment, there was this older man that was coming down, and he was begging for money, begging for money, begging for money. And that couple looked at each other, and they said, Sir, would you like to sit with us? And they began to talk with him and show him a lot of kindness and a sense of dignity and respect in the midst of all this other stuff that was going on. They said, you know, if you've got a moment and you've got some time, we'll actually take you to dinner. They were so kind to him. Sophie Lee says... I was thinking, they must be a Christian. <laughs> they seem to be someone that reminds me of Jesus. And sure enough, they were sharing, after a while, their faith in Jesus and inviting the man to church. She said, I couldn't help but eavesdrop on the conversation. And there were college students across the aisle that were looking and gawking because... People were taken back by the kindness, the sheer kindness that this one couple were sharing with a man in need. And when they got off the train together at the next stop, 
the couple and the man. It was as if the light of God was shining in a very dark place. If I had to capsulize the essence of what Jesus is teaching us in the Gospels, it's like, do you know me? Do you reflect me? Are you like me? This is what the kingdom of God is like. Would you, would you come and live that way? Would you come and enter into the kingdom of God? This is what that looks like. Well, Jesus goes on, and he shares those final words in the gospel, where he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, Jesus is not saying to us that there aren't going to be storms in life. In fact, he tells us three basic things, doesn't he? He says, there's the house. Your life is like a house. And he says, there's the storms. And he doesn't say, if the storms come. He says, when they come. Because in every life, on every house, the storms are going to come. But the big difference is, he says, is the foundation on which the house, your life, is built on. Some of our lives... Those who hear the words of Jesus and acts on them are building their life on solid rock. But those who hear my words but do not put them into practice, you are building your life on shifting sand. So on what kind of foundation are you building your life right now? I was talking to a realtor last night and he was sharing with me how that a a family member of his was moving to a different town and how they had picked out this wonderful, beautiful house and they were going to move into that house, but they went ahead and spent the money on an inspection. And it was a really uh, good idea because the inspection told them that the house had some serious problems in terms of its frailty and its structure and its foundation. There were things that were just not right about the house. The realtor said it's kind of like you dress up a pig it's still a pig. You and I are living in a world that is so much focused on the cosmetics and the shallowness and the veerness and the skin-deep beauty of what's going on in our world. But what are we building our foundation on? You know, some of us, we can be building our foundation on, on money or chasing after things or getting ahead and just really living for number one. Remember those guys that climbed Mount Everest some years ago? Two of the men died climbing the mountain. Once they got there, those who survived, they look around on top of the mountain. They said, is this it? Is this all there is? There's so many people that might get to the top of their mountain they're climbing, and you step up there and you look around, and there's such an emptiness to it all. And you think, is this all there is? Some of us are so engaged with pleasure and instant gratification and living for ourselves and thinking about 
Happiness is found in whatever I can do for myself right now, no matter what that is. It's like uh, the Rolling Stones song. I get no satisfaction, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. But then Jesus is calling us, you know what? You can live differently. You have a different option. I want to invite you to live in my kingdom. C.S. Lewis died 50 years ago on Friday, the same day that John Fitzgerald Kennedy was shot. He was the great writer and apologist for Christianity in the 20th century. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia that many of us remember or read about as kids or are reading to our kids or showing them the movies. He wrote the Screwtape Letters, which is a great uh, twist in terms of how the satanic forces of this world are twisting our minds and our thoughts and our values. And he wrote Mere Christianity, and in that book, Mere Christianity, which is a great book for someone that's intellectually struggling and trying to make sense of the Christian faith, he says this about this world. He says, in this world, we are under foreign occupancy. Someone else is in control and taken over this world. But the right king has landed, and that right king is Jesus. And he has come and he is asking you and I to be involved in a great sabotage of the evil and the culture and the way that this world acts. And Jesus is calling you and I to be an espionage against the dominion of the darkness of this world. Because the truth of the matter is, friends, this world is not the way God created it. It's not the way God intended it. There's all kinds of things that happen in this world that is not God's will. We cannot blame the suffering of this world on a good and beautiful God. But that good and beautiful God is saying to us, I am giving you the kingdom. I am giving you words to live by. I am giving you a different set of values. I'm giving you different strategies. Will you, will you go with me? Are you in? Are you in? Are you in? Are you in the kingdom? Are you in? The strategies of the king are calling us to live life in a different way. That's what it means to live in the kingdom. The strategies of the king are things like this. Returning evil with good. Loving people who don't love us back. Not waging war, but peacemaking. Being generous, not possessive. Being in a relationship with Jesus and with each other. It's, it's seeking and knocking and finding a brave new world. It's continuously seeking to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice every day. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower. That's what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Are you in? I'm in. I'm not perfect. But we can all be in. Let's be a part of this. One of the great things about uh, groups of 12 and this whole series has been that your children or your grandchildren have been involved in the same kind of study, the same kind of teaching. We have kids down the hallway learning about what we're learning about now. We have teenagers doing this on Wednesday nights in terms of whole families can come together and say, this is what Jesus is teaching us. This is how we're supposed to live. Let's do this together. And so Pastor Jason was with his microphone, the man on the street that went around this place last Sunday and asked several of you of different ages and groups, what are you learning? 
What is Jesus saying to you? What's, how's Jesus calling you right now to live your life differently? Let's hear what several of you had to say. G12 has been a really good experience for us to learn about God. We really like it a lot. The quote in the book about be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And it's true, if you get to know them, they have, they have a battle to fight every one of us. If you've grown up in the church and grown up trying to follow discipleship, you've grown into where the anger thing, you've learned how to deal with that and without getting angry, you've learned that nobody's gonna make me angry, <laughs> I'm in charge. The idea of rest, the idea of rest is a very critical component that uh, the Holy Spirit's been working on me with and, and realizing the, uh, the necessity and need for, for rest. He answered my prayer about a friend named Stella who had a really bad fall and had to go to the hospital and she's still in it but she finally woke up. The media one was probably one of the toughest ones for me and I think it told me that, one, we watch too much TV, and two, we probably need to spend more quiet personal time with our kids, and probably more quiet personal time just alone with God, either in prayer, or in thought, or in reading scripture. A lot of times I just want to share something that happened during my day or my weekend, but it's not positive about somebody, so then I just don't get to talk about it. But it's harder for girls because that's like how we communicate, I feel like. It's how we like connect with each other. But I could talk to God about it is the thing, isn't it? That's the thing, isn't it? That's how I know that it's gossip because it's more fun to talk to somebody else about it. I have the ability to, to share this joy or unfortunately even potentially take some of that away. And, and it's made me realize I need to live a life of, uh, of just, you know, more, more love, wear my heart on my sleeve. The one about uh, worry was probably um like just a reminder to go to God with uh, your worries and just to let him have control and take care of it was the most beneficial for me. Our family also enjoys preaching, so I have to admit. There's always stuff sitting around that you haven't taken the time to do something with it, so you might as well make it useful for somebody else. Set out boxes. Keep, give away, throw away. Pretty simple. I did like how we made the notebooks, how we got to sew them together and then write them. You remember what the notebooks remind you of? What's it? Kind of the Holy Bible a little bit. Yeah. So the last thing I want to share with you is uh, the soul training exercise for this week. You know, it's wonderful to be able to practice this in our everyday life. And today we're encouraging everyone to live our life devotionally each day. How could this look like for you? Start in the evening. Think about going to bed on time. Think about going to bed on a, on a regular disciplined time. Don't watch the news. Don't get too upset. Don't ease into your sleep and sleep and get your rest. That, that's a spiritual practice. And when you get up in the morning, if you're like me, you start having these thoughts that just come at you and you start worrying about the day and all these things that just begin to take over your mind. I've learned that those words from Colossians 3 really helped me to center. And so when I've got all this stuff coming at me, I just say these words to myself. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. 
Set your hearts on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, you can say whatever you want, but, but if there's a waking thought, if there is a prayer, if there's something that you are programmed to go to, that you've scripted, that helps me, that can help you. Many people do this in centering their life. And we live in a crazy world, and it's demanding, and this is probably the hardest one of all, but there's something about having 30 minutes of alone time with God before we rush off, before we take the kids somewhere, before we got to go to school, before we got to go to work. I mean, if we have that time with God where we are in relationship and unrushed time in looking at Scripture and really listening to Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world. It's, it's so helpful to me to think about what I'm going to be doing that day. And I, I invite Jesus into that day. And I think about the things that I know it's going to be challenging. And, and I just, to center my life in Jesus, with Jesus in the morning, makes all the difference in the, in the world. And then throughout the day, can there be just a minute or two here or there that we check signals, that we just breathe a little easier, that we, we remember His presence in our life? You know, one of the things that we can do is, is to take Scripture into our minds every day. I like to get on my iPhone. I like to just simply um, listen to the words of Scripture as I'm taking a walk or I'm driving to the gym or I'm driving to work and just letting those words sink in. Wouldn't it be great if each of us each day this week would just listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, just, just allow His words to sink into our thoughts and our minds and our spirits and see how that can change us and move us. And then finally, at the end of the day, it's always good to take a little bit of inventory and think, okay, this happened today. Uh, this was a great surprise. Thank you, God, for seeing me through this tough one. Or forgive me when I blew it here. To take that sense of inventory as we explore this relationship with Jesus. Jesus simply says this, listen to me, hear my words, put them into practice, and you're building your life, you're building your house on solid rock, and when the wind comes, and it will come, and when the rain falls, and it will fall, and when the floods rise, and they will rise, you will withstand the test, and you will live in my kingdom forever.